Welcome to the Author's Porch, where every good conversation happens. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride from author to author. We want to give you an experience where you learn and enjoy the conversation. Authors tell you about their journey, you learn about new books, and at the end of the day, you go home with a smile on your face because the Author's Porch is a beacon of light bringing you home to the family you never knew you had. We hope that you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Author's Porch, where every great conversation happens, and it happens because we trusted Brendan and Bomsey at Master Talk to show us the power of effective communication. We also make sure we have a great cup of coffee from Third Day Coffee Seguin, a Christ-centered, veteran-owned coffee company. Today on the show, we have Teresa Parrish. How are you doing, Teresa? Good. How are you doing, CJ? I am doing great. I am ready for the weekend. I finally got some sleep. <laughs> uh, me too. Me too. Yeah, we were having a conversation before we came on live and you were talking about those high powered executive meetings. So I'm like, I was wondering, you know, do you get sleep when you have to deal with all of that? Oh, my God. Usually gosh. I'm so exhausted that when I go to bed, I sleep. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe I'm too relaxed that I need. No, I'm no, no. I'm going to pass on that. <laughs> so guys, let me give you a little bit of an introduction to Teresa because I've had the pleasure of reading her bio, checking out her website and learning a little bit more about her. So Teresa Parrish is known as an accomplished butterfly farmer. She and her partner, Michael Vera, live in Central Florida and own an online education and retail store called Johnny Butterfly Seed. The site engages new butterfly farmers, teaching them about the butterfly life cycles, growing butterfly gardens, and how to get involved with non-profit organizations focused on saving butterflies. Teresa prides herself on being a citizen scientist with a lifetime passion for nature, as well as a powerful advocate for its preservation and the saving of endangered species. Wow. So, Teresa, <laughs> I know we were talking earlier about this lovely thing that happens when you're outdoors and a butterfly just pops itself on your hand or on a flower. And it's like your whole entire world just stops. Boom. That is such a magical feeling. So how did you get started on this venture? Well, it started when I was just a kid. So I was one of those children who didn't spend a lot of time in the house. In fact, um, in those days, of course, my mom was on a corded telephone, so she actually never knew that I left. <laughs> um, so I would go outside and immediately go out into nature. And I literally, like, I don't care what it was, frogs, insects, animals. I was just like constantly exploring. But I have to say, my favorite butterfly was always the monarch butterfly. There's just something so remarkable about this butterfly. Yes. And as a kid, I didn't know that this is one of the only migratory butterflies there is and that these little tiny frail wing butterflies fly sometimes 2000 miles to overwinter somewhere. Right? Wow. I'm 44 and I'm just learning this. So uh, it's never too late, CJ. Wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is so amazing. There's so many things that we don't know about butterflies, but yet mm -hmm. so many people think about their lives as a butterfly from mm -hmm. transformation Absolutely. and growing. So from learning about butterflies as a child to going into this whole life mm -hmm. surrounded about butterflies. Can you tell us more about the conservation side of it? So what I noticed as I got older was there were less and less butterflies and especially less and less monarchs. And if anyone is in love with the monarch and tracking the decline that has happened, it's just literally, it's like gut-wrenching to see how far it has declined over the years. And so when I, as an adult, realized that there were dwindling populations of my favorite butterfly, probably probably the most favorite butterfly in all of North America, I would say, um, I thought, what can I do? I mean, even when I was that little child going out there, I was always about saving things. If I found something that was injured or I tried to take it into my house, my mom hated this. She'd open up my drawers and there would be all these little animals in recovery. Um, so um, I tried to figure out what can I do? And so I started investigating, why is this happening? Why is the monarch disappearing? And of course, it's those things that I think, you know, in the um, development or progress in the world, we sometimes don't think all the way through of the unintended consequences of that progression and that development. Right. And so what I found out was, of course, the more urban development there is where we just like plow everything down, we literally remove the habitat that is required for many butterflies, insects, and animals, but especially the monarch. Um, the, when farmers are out trying to make sure that their crops don't have any insects and they spray them and they spray all the weeds, um, the monarchs die and the, and the milkweed, the, the absolutely only larval host plant for the, the monarch butterfly is, you know, dying across the country. Um, you know, you enter all these things, there's climate, there's environment, there's all these things that we do. Um, and I'm like, well, gosh, what could we do different? And, and so I thought, well, okay, you can't just change everything, but what you can do is control something small. Like if yeah. you can get a million people to do something small, like plant a butterfly garden that has milkweed, nectar sources, shelter so sources, somehow all together, we can actually save the monarch. And mm -hmm. so that's why I started going, well, how do we, how do, we do this? Because <clears throat> there are plenty of adults out there who may know or may not know, <coughs> excuse me, may not know about the dwindling population. But in the business world, I'm a change maker. So the first thing I thought is, who's the best stakeholder group to go to? And when I decided that it must be children because they are the future decision yes. makers. Right. Yeah. So why not engage them now and teach them about the, the monarch butterfly, teach them about endangered species and empower them to be able to do something so that, you know, uh, 10, 15 years from now, when they are actually the people who are decision makers, that they're already an advocate. Yes, it, you were you were absolutely brilliant because people think that it's the grown ups that you need to go to. Yep. It's the children that hold all the power. Yeah. It's the children that's on the parents to do this or do that. When a child cries, the parents are like, how do I fix this? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. When a yeah. child says, I want this for Christmas, the parents buying it. 
yeah. the children and the children are the ones that's going to grow up to change the world. So man, that people don't realize don't. Yeah. I love it's that. Important. And if, and if anyone who's had children, it's like a blink of an eye and they're an adult. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Mine are in college. My son is okay. graduating college in May and I'm going, when did this happen? I know. When did this happen? Yeah, you're <laughs> absolutely right. So I can only guess that that's what led you to author Johnny mm -hmm. Butterfly Seed, but the book, correct? It is. It is absolutely. And I actually intended to do um, become a children's book author most of my life since college. Okay. And of course, I got into business and got really busy. And then um, in 20. It was 2020 when COVID happened and we had the big shutdown. And as a consultant, business slowed down. And I thought, what is this something wonderful that's happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> and it was the gift of time to yeah. write a children's book and bring together that, my, that passion I have around saving the endangered species and especially the monarch butterfly being my favorite. And so I wrote The Adventures of Johnny Butterfly Seed and not knowing at that point, like, am I self-publishing or what am I doing? And, you know, I always say when you're supposed to do something, the universe shows up and provides. And I wrote that book and I submitted it a couple places and I was picked up by a traditional publisher, wow. which is Post Hill Press. Yeah. That's awesome. And I was just like in a state of like, wow, this is really happening. Is it real? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Congratulations. That's that, you know, a lot of people, especially their first book coming out, that's a phenomenal feat to, to come upon. So can you tell us a little bit about Johnny Butterfly Seed? So Johnny Butterfly Seed is a young man who has a, a, fa a fairy friend named Raven Silverwing, and they've been friends since Johnny was very, very small. And Johnny cares deeply about the monarch butterflies. And one day he was looking around and he thought, they're just every year after year, there's less monarchs. What's happening, Raven? And so she told him out in the world, there's all these things happening with, you know, people are building houses and farmers are spraying crops and, and all around them and the climate is changing. And we have to do something, Johnny, to save the butterflies. So they decide to come up with a plan, which... Um, has Johnny and Raven and queen of all the monarchs, Venus Sol uh, Goldwing, and they travel all over the, the place teaching children in the schools about the dwindling population of monarch butterflies and what children can do. And it just comes down to, you know, some really teachable moments around, you know, like never think that something is just so big that you can't do anything. If you just take one small step, Every single day, you can make a huge difference and you're never alone because you, once you start talking about it, you find that there are people all over the place that want to help you on your mission and it just becomes bigger and bigger the difference you can make. That is so true. Mm -hmm. And it only takes a small drop in a pond to create it a ripple. Does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And most people don't understand that and they're not willing to, right. to jump and and take the leap and you definitely took the leap you know from a childhood dream to an adult reality and i commend mm -hmm. you for that because many people are scared to do that and what was that that thing that catapulted you to say you know this is was my childhood dream but it could become my adult reality well it was something that i always say you know like you keep it in your, the back of your mind something that you really really want to do 
And, um, and I'm just going to say for all adults, never lose that dream that you had, whether it was when you were a child or in college, mm-hmm. there's always going to be a moment in your life where it shows up as an opportunity. And, and that's what I did is like, I immediately went like, oh my gosh, here's my opportunity. Everything's quiet in the world and everyone's within. So I'm going to go within and make one of my dreams come true. Yeah. That's that's fantastic. Can you give us a little insight into um, the monarch butterfly itself and what it would take to have a butterfly garden? Yeah. So a little bit about the monarch. Um, There is one uh, species of plant that the monarch needs to lay eggs on. So if we talk about the monarch life cycle, it is milkweed. However, there are several different forms of milkweed depending on what part of the country you're in. So I always tell everyone, if you want to plant milkweed, there are some that, you know, like I would say, mm, 70% of the United States can have like a tuberosa milkweed. Um, But it's always good to look locally. What is native in my area? Because you always want to plant native. And so you plant the milkweed. That's important. Otherwise, the monarch can't lay an egg. Once the monarch swoops in, and I always say, start planting milkweed you'll see shopping so they'll show up in your yard and they'll like shop all the plants (laughs) and then they take off and i swear they go tell all their girlfriends okay where the good (laughs) shopping is and so they start to lay eggs on on your milkweed plants then about 14 days later those little or i'm sorry three to four days later those little eggs they open up and you could barely see these little tiny caterpillars and they don't look like the caterpillars that we normally would think of they've they're itsy bitsy tiny little white with tiny bits of black on them and they're just adorable and then 14 days later they're big enough to what we call they go into a j form which they'll crawl up either on the milkweed or a sheltering plant to try to protect themselves and they hang in the form of a j and over a process of hours um they really set themselves and all of a sudden if you happen to be watching which i have this green starts coming out and it just spreads very quickly. And within like four minutes, there's a fully formed monarch cocoon, a Christmas. And it's just like to see it, it's just like it reminds you there are actually miracles happening every single day in the world. And um, then it takes another 14 days for that uh, chrysalis to what we call e-close and the butterfly emerges. Mm. And it's just a beautiful thing to watch. And so as a butterfly farmer, you can choose to keep everything outside or you can choose to have um, milkweed that you can take when you find eggs. You can move it in to your butterfly tent and watch the entire process. So if you're a little bit of a scientist like me, you'd like to document, okay, this is the day that I found the egg. This is the day that it hatched. This is how long it took before it became a chrysalis. This is when the chrysalis opened and it's a male or a female. So you can tell the difference. Yeah. You you talked about, um, and when you first started telling that story about the monarch, you talked about them shopping around for the milkweed and going and Mm -hmm. telling their girlfriends. And instantly, as obviously as an author, because I write some children's books too, I automatically started thinking that would be a phenomenal children's book for you to uh-huh. write about the monarchs <laughs> shopping around shopping. for milkweed, 
milkweeds with their girlfriends. So I would love to see that book come out from you. That would be super cute. Do you think that you will be writing some more books within the Johnny Appleseed? Um, the Johnny genre? Butterfly? Yeah, Johnny I will. Butterfly. Johnny Butterfly Seed will be a series of books all focused on endangered species. I do want to work the butterfly in, but I also want to work all sorts of different endangered species because, okay. you know, I'm just going to tell you, there's this thing brewing in my second book that has to do with the endangered um, tortoises and sea tur and turtles. Okay. So yeah. that might be coming out, but I love the idea of having a monarch shopping experience. For <laughs> that would be a really fun one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would definitely. be very fun. So I live down in South Texas, in Brownsville, mm -hmm. Texas, right on the border by the sea. And there's a huge conservation um, thing for the sea turtles that they have a big area here for the con conserving the sea turtles. And they save them from the ocean. Mm -hmm. And it's phenomenal. We go and visit it every single year. And it's just, it's absolutely beautiful. And I think as humans, we don't realize that we can coexist with nature but we don't we haven't figured out that that balance right that mm -hmm. balance between nature and us and giving up some creature comforts that we can still have them just in another way right. and what do you think some of those ways would be in order for us to coexist better well, I think what it comes down to is understanding, you know, ecology, that everything actually is connected. Yeah. So instead of saying, let's just stop urban development, because we're not going to. Yeah. What if we just did it differently? So let's say we're putting up a new neighborhood somewhere in whatever state it happens to be. And, you know, we clear it all out and build these houses. But instead of just throwing in whatever sort of landscaping, what if we actually had an ecology report that told us what are the native plants and how do we encourage, you know, the butterflies and things like this? And, and then they planted the milkweed, the nectar sources, all native plants. Yeah. I mean, and you know, like, let's not worry so much about our grass. We don't have to have perfectly manicured lawns. <laughs> right. You know, right. I know in Texas you have uh, fire ants, right? Oh, my goodness. Really bad. Yeah. We're, yeah. Right. So in Florida, of course, we now have fire ants here too, but the truth is it only happened because people decided they had to have manicured lawns. And so instead of allowing the native grasses to grow, they decided to bring in sod. And that's what brought the fire ants. And so as long as you have a native grass, you usually don't have those pests that come with um, importing something and that unintended consequence happening. Okay. So this is where I go, you know, hey, if we got smarter in how we developed land and kept things yeah. native and kept it focused on the ecological positive impacts, right. It would make a big difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have to tell my husband that we're fighting a big amount of fire ants right now. <laughs> yeah. And then the yeah. Mm -hmm. Gosh, we don't we don't realize that when I was in England, we I, I researched a lot, got really into gardening because England mm -hmm. is such a beautiful oh, place yes. and mm -hmm. they're very big on conservation over there. Yeah. So it was so nice to be able to understand what was native there and be able to garden 
natively versus, well, you could only get certain things and they all, it had to look a certain way versus um, mm -hmm. what was native. And, and it just the beauty of nature is all around you. And if you actually read into what is natural to the area versus what you think should yeah. look like, then I'm, being in South Texas, it's it's kind of like Mexico because we're on the border. Mm -hmm. And what people don't realize is the beauty of Mexico isn't green grass in a lot of places. It's You're a right. lot of desert. And I find such beauty in that when you go and you find these trees that that have their they have these things hanging off of them, tamarinds, they're hanging mm -hmm. off of them. Mm -hmm. And they're absolutely gorgeous, but you don't see the green grass underneath it. A lot of right. people just gasp, but they want the green grass. And I'm like, you have to appreciate the beauty of certain places. So when, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I think it's time for people to kind of make an internal mind shift. Instead of looking good, we should be more concerned about doing good. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because our you can't turn back the wheels of time in, no. in our planet. All you can do is try to conserve what we have left mm -hmm. on our planet and the time that our planet has left. Right. Exactly. And yeah. have a lot of respect for the coexistence, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have to destroy something just because humans want to take over. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we coexist? Yeah. And I love that you're writing books um, in the children's genre for mm -hmm. uh, that that type of change, because I think if we teach them at that small age and not be preachy about it, because right. a lot of people think that they have to preach and you don't have to preach. You you could just teach. There's the difference between preaching exactly. and teaching. <laughs> <laughs> then then you can start to teach a whole new generation of coexisting. And, and I think it's phenomenal. So what is your um, Johnny butterfly seed? You said there's a retail store, correct? It's, it's online. Okay. And in our retail store, of course, you get an author signed copy of the book. Otherwise it's available at every online bookseller there is. Mm -hmm. um, there's also, you know, just fun things like notebooks with, you know, the same illustrations on the front, um, an apron for your kitchen. There's okay. mugs, there's t-shirts, um, all sorts of just fun, gifty type things. Yeah, mm -hmm. very cool. If you had, you know, and I, I had um, Dr. Sharma on the show quite a while back, and he's an environmentalist. Um, and I asked him this question, and, and it was not impossible to answer, but a little hard to answer because he said there's not one piece of advice so i want to ask you <laughs> i know you're already giving me that look like there's not one piece of advice but what would be the bare minimum of advice that you could give somebody to work towards helping become a better partner with our planet versus just going it's me or you and one of us has got to go <laughs> basically well, I think the, the first step always is actually having awareness. So whether you're a parent or you're yeah. a child, and this is where I think the parents is super important. If parents aren't aware of issues when it comes to our environment or ecology, um, rarely will they bring up this subject with their kids. So if the kids happen to read something and bring it up, I mean, just be aware and start to engage in a conversation. 
um, learn, you know, like start to think, you know, instead of doing this, what if I did something different? What if I didn't put the sod in, yet I allowed the native grasses to grow? Yeah. What if I didn't pull all the milkweed out because they have weed in the name of the plant, right? And instead I planted more milkweed and I enjoyed the beautiful flowers that actually appear on the milkweed, you know, incorporate them into my garden. It's just like, instead of just taking the normal route, which I'm sorry, you know, so many people are asleep. You just do what you're supposed to do because this is the way it's always been. Just yeah. stop for a minute and have an awareness how can mm -hmm. I do something different that might be a better partner for our environment? Might yeah. be a, a better way to teach my kids how to care about the planet, you know? Yeah. And do you have um, on your site, do you have a training or anything to help people create a butterfly garden if it was something yes. that they were? Okay. Yeah. Because so I, I was a... like, I would love to do that. That would be super yeah. cool. There's, um, there's blogs, right? And one of the blogs is, you know, uh, how to create an urban butterfly garden. Yeah. Right. And so you can take that, whether it's urban, suburban, whatever it happens to be, and learn how to create a butterfly garden. And it, it really is just so rewarding. And it doesn't take much. I mean, talk about planting a few milkweed, and then some pretty flowers, yeah. and maybe having some bushes that have a little shelter and you're in. Yeah, because I have all this land and it's just flat and empty. I mean, I have mm -hmm. dogs, but I have this these parts that are blocked off that the dogs don't go into. And because yeah. I was going to plant some vegetables, but then I thought, I'm not going to follow up with the vegetables. They'll probably die there. <laughs> but, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, if you did want to plant some vegetables, um, there's an entire uh, family of vegetables that are the larval host plant for the beautiful black swallowtail. So if you plant dill, fennel, parsley, carrot, any of these will attract the black swallowtail, which is absolutely a stunning butterfly. <laughs> Okay, so, I was going to say it's a butterfly, right? Because if it's it, like a rodent or something, I'm going to no, freak no, out. No, 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 no. Nope. It's a, it's a beautiful, it's got, it's larger than the monarch, uh -huh. and it's got the black wings, and it's got yellow and blue, like blue down in the tail, and a little bit of, a, yeah, orange, and it's just gorgeous. And, and you know, so many gardeners, they're, they're like, what's, what's eating up all my plants? Let me kill them. And it's like, no, no, don't. They're caterpillars mm. for a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> Ooh, Plants extra. Could, yeah. Maybe I could do some dill and some carrots and then whatever yeah. doesn't get eaten up by the butterfly, then I could pull and use. Right. Yeah. But it's like I win both ways. I know. I'm so excited. This is I, I sometimes carry around dill seeds and milkweed seeds. And I, just as I'm walking anywhere, you know, if it's like a, a park or something, you know, with land and, and trees, just sprinkle seeds everywhere you go. <laughs> you're the seed lady. <laughs> right? And you're like, yay, there's going to be dill and milkweed. We're going to have butterflies everywhere here. <laughs> well, that's smart. That's actually a good idea for people. Now I have to just find out if we live in the climate for carrots and dill. Right. So now I have to, yeah, because we live in a, it's a moisture, like there's a lot of humidity, but mm -hmm. the climate that I live in is, it can be very, uh, no rain for months on end it's even very similar it's to where i live okay yeah so I, i'll definitely do the research because i think that's important as well 
and it might be that it'll only grow a certain time of the year where yeah. sometimes where it's too hot and humid, you know, your tomatoes aren't going to make it anyway. I'm just say, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> leave them to something, something to eat them. Okay. So what, um, what projects do you have coming up? I know you've got that beautiful book out, but what's the next project you have coming up? The next project is sitting down and framing out the next uh, book in the series around the, okay. the tortoises and the turtles. Um, so that's, that's coming up. I have to just get a little downtime from the business world and, and sit down and write it out and run it through some editing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's always the, the problem is sitting down and getting it all taken care of because regular, not regular life, but the other parts of our life start to take control yeah. sometimes. But outside being an author, some of the projects that I have for the environment is we're working on, um, creating a butterfly sanctuary in central Florida. So one acre of land that is in an area um, that we're just going to keep planting all the different uh, plants, larval host plants that are needed for a variety of but butterflies and just keep it under conservation as a butterfly sanctuary. Oh, wow. That mm -hmm. is so cool. Mm -hmm. I think there should be butterfly sanctuaries all over the place. All over. Yeah. I went to, um, cause they have them in like zoos and in, like certain mm -hmm. zoos will have them and you just go in there and it is just the most beautiful place ever. And it's probably the only place that I don't freak out when something like buzzes by my face. Right. <laughs> like it's, you just, oh, so beautiful. It's almost like you're stepping into a magical world. Right. Cause when you go, when you watch those movies or you're reading, yeah. When you see like a video or something and there's like butterflies flying around, you automatically think of like a fantasy novel or some fantasy realm or something. Yeah. The land right on you. I mean, butterflies are friendly. <laughs> yeah, they're so mystical. Mm -hmm. So where can people reach you if they want to read your book, get in touch with you, talk about conservation, any of that? Um, go to the Johnny Butterfly Seed website, which is www.johnnybutterflyseed.com. Okay, awesome. I have had such a great time just learning about butterflies, talking about just nature, conservationists. Um, I am... I'm somebody who tries, but doesn't try enough, but wants to learn. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. Like I am aware, but I still have a lot of learning to do. And I've been on this journey of learning more every single day. So this is those one of those conversations that I, I thirst for, I guess you would say. Yeah. So I really appreciate that you brought this on our platform and brought it to our audience because I really want people to understand that we're here because our environment and our planet allows us to be here. That's right. So by respecting that, we can continue to thrive and do the things that we love. So thank you so much for being here, Teresa. I am going to take myself off and turn this over to the Teresa show <laughs> and allow you uh, to talk about for the next couple of minutes, anything that we didn't get to touch on during our, the last 30 minutes of our conversations, because I get a little excited sometimes about certain things. Uh, so I wanna make sure that you get to talk about anything. So we're gonna turn it over to you so that you have those moments to send out into the world the things that are most important to you. So we'll see you in a couple minutes, okay? All right, thank you.
Hi, everyone. What I want to talk about in my two minutes is about being a change maker in the world. So we go about our days sometimes just uh, asleep. And I think it's time that we all stand up and say, what do we want to make a change in, in our lives, in our environment? And I encourage everyone to, to lean in and, and pick something that they're very passionate about and say, I am going to make a difference. And just join other people in your process and do one small thing every single day to make a difference. So it happens to be your environment, show up, make a difference, find out what's native in your environment, grow the, the plants that are needed for whatever you want in your, in your own little ecosystem. And I highly encourage you know, involving your children in this process so they can learn and learn to have a respect of the earth and everything that is connected within it. We sometimes forget that everything that we add or subtract from our environment changes the ecology. And over time, that ecology is so changed that it's hard to restore. But if we can just all just stop today and pick something to make a difference, it would make it go a long way in the world. And we teach our children that will go on and teach future generations and make better, better decisions about our earth. I thank you, CJ, for this time that we've had today, and I'm going to hand it back over to you. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Teresa. Thanks for sharing the wonderful things about the earth that we need to constantly be aware of and the wonderful book that you have written for our children to learn more about butterflies and how to create a better space in our environment. We look forward to the many things that you are world to help us be better partners with our planet. Guys, don't forget to come back each week and watch us either live or on the podcast right here on Facebook. You can ask Alexa or Siri to play our latest episodes. Head over to our website, catch our latest issue of the magazine. We are accepting articles, uh, poetry, and books for review right now. The deadline is the 1st of March for our April 4th issue. We want to continue making others' dreams come true by providing them a platform to shine. We will see you guys next time. And if you appreciate conversations like we do and want to become a better speaker, don't forget to visit our friends Brendan and Bomzi of MasterTalk, that's mastertalk.ca, where they teach you the power of effective communication. And don't forget, stay awake with a nice cup of coffee from Third Day Coffee Seguin, the best cup of coffee on this side of heaven. That's over at thirddaycoffeeseguin.com. Until next time, my friends, I'm CJ, that's Teresa. Go read her book and write on. Bye, Teresa. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you. The author's Court is a certified veteran-hosted podcast. Show your support. Tune in, share, and subscribe.